Today's episode of Bitter Units is brought to you in part by the American Homebrewers Association. The AHA has a host of benefits for joining, including discounts at over 2,500 beer businesses like breweries, bars, restaurants, and homebrew supply shops in the U.S. and worldwide. You'll also get access to discounts on many brewing publications, award-winning homebrew recipes, and expert advice. Go to bitterunits.com to learn more. This podcast contains material that is intended for mature audiences and may not be suitable for all listeners. Enjoy. I've already had a flight just because I could, and I knew it would piss you off, Aaron. So It doesn't <laughs> piss me off. I just think you're an idiot. I mean, That's fine. From where? <laughs> all right. Well, let's uh, hey, put the vine in Des Moines. Okay. Let's, let's save uh, this for the pod. If, if you two are going to yell at each other, let's, let's, let's get Oh, this. we're just getting warmed up. of Bitter Units, a Tailgate Society-hosted podcast, brought to you in part by our sponsors, one of which you just heard from, the American Homebrewers Association, and our title sponsor of our website. Oh, something just dinged in my ear. Sorry, title sponsor. (laughs) Uh, Threw me off. Is it that training droid that looks like your microphone? (laughs) <laughs> no, it's uh, something for my computer giving me an update thing. But uh, Deadeye Barbecue Sauce does not care about my technical difficulties. Uh, they are the title sponsor for the Tailgate Society. The best goddamn barbecue sauce in the known universe, the Midwest, the West, the whole damned universe. You can find them at DeadeyeBarbecueSauce.com, local hives and fairways in the Midwest. And it's awesome. You should try it and you'll hear more from them here in a little bit. We are very happy to be back. As per usual, I am Aaron L. Wall on Twitter. We've got JT Nutt in the house uh, today, and Tim Johnson is with us again. And we have a guest, as usual. It's not somebody I know, so get used to that, people, because it's always somebody Tim knows. (laughs) So, Tim, (laughs) tell us who's with us. Yeah, tonight we are very excited to be joined by... Mr. Eric Hild of Toppling Goliath, of Decorah, Iowa, of Luther fame, of um, uh, any number. You can also find him on Twitter. Eric, what's your what's your Twitter handle? Uh, both on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, I'm at King of the Hild. Got always like those, uh, those puns. But yeah. <laughs> Well, Eric, welcome very much uh, for for being here. Thank you so much. Welcome. Oh, thank you. Appreciate it. It's uh, I'm glad to be on. <laughs> you say that now. <laughs> give, give it a few minutes, and you'll you'll might change your mind about that. Um, well, we're off. So start. obviously, that you know, one of the first questions we generally ask people is. How did you get into the beer industry? So let's just start there. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, say my first uh, actual foray uh, was actually probably right after when I graduated college. Uh, I did. I worked for uh, Lake Time Brewery in Clear Lake, Iowa, which is uh, where I'm originally from. 
Uh, say like they literally just opened that year, uh, and uh, they just opened up their tap room, and I'm like, okay, well, and they kind of need a job, uh, so I started doing uh, bartending there for pretty much a month, and then I uh, found my first big boy job down in Des Moines, and so it was pretty short lived. Uh, then uh, after that, I didn't really get into craft beer, or at least was in the industry for almost four years. Uh, so it was really honestly a top lane that I would actually truly consider my uh, first start into craft beer, uh, where they hired me as a uh, like a cellar tech, cleaning kegs, doing all the uh, the work that didn't other people didn't really want to do, grain in, cleaning tanks and kegs, and uh, helping out with packaging here and there. We've had, that's kind of funny. We've already done Lake Time, which one of my favorite beers was the Oreo Speedwagon. So mm. my favorite of theirs is the peanut butter porter. I say that's really good it's, too. It's 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 so good. I really hope they do the uh, Imperial version again. So that's probably my favorite of the uh, that series. They did an Imperial one. Uh, I think back in 2015 or 16, they did okay, it in 22 okay. ounce bombers. Oh, good God! No, but it was so good. I thought the a uh, little bit higher alcohol content just kind of like helped round things out a little bit more. Absolutely. Nice. So you you start off in in the cellar, cleaning kegs, doing all the all the grunt work, all the things nobody wants to do. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, cleaning kegs. Uh, some someday it. we need to just have a conversation about like what is the grossest thing you found <laughs> on a returned keg because there are some pretty truly oh, disgusting nice. things. <laughs> <laughs> there's things I, there's there's stuff i think i'm pretty sure i found things like growing on top of kegs before like i mean they'll just uh like ship you like anything you're like oh yeah, here's kegs they'll ship them and expect you to clean it and like I, there's gotta be mold and stuff like that i'm I'm glad we at least don't have to do them by hand now for more or less like, we at least yeah. have a machine to clean kegs but it's just it's gross yeah i one time i found there was a uh there were a bunch of shrimp tails around the top, and there was <laughs> cocktail sauce in the chime. They were they literally used a keg <laughs> to dip <laughs> shrimp. <laughs> oh God! Yeah, that was pretty gross. Uh, Half-eaten cheeseburgers. Yeah, any number of disgusting things. But uh, so you start off doing that. Uh, what was kind of the the progression? How did you uh, get to where you're at today? Uh, so I started it at Top Lane in September of 2017. Uh, so I'm just coming up, or it's a little past uh, my three-year mark right now. Uh, but I was there right when we were in that transition period from uh, what we like to call old country, uh, which is where we had our 30-barrel brew house, and uh, when we were at that size, and we were still in the uh, uh, the time frame when we were putting together a 100-barrel brew house, and where we're currently located, which is just like right up the road up the hill uh from the old place and uh so i mean i was working at old country for about uh it's about a month just kind of learning everything about that uh but once we started to actually produce uh beer and things like and everything up on the top of the hill at the new place in the hundred barrel brew house which was uh like december 1st of of 2017 i had to kind of go back and forth uh, just kind of doing that, and then slowly over time, now that we were in that transition period, we had to bring on more people, bring in more help as the uh, just kind of grew and grew. And so it's like, okay, well, you're you know all this information, and we need more and like about grain in, 
uh, what we're doing here. Uh, we kind of need more people now at this point to start learning the uh, Hunter Barrel Brew House. So it's like they kind of just pulled me in and uh, started learning everything I uh, started learning everything I could about like the Botech system, which is the uh, programming uh, for the brew house itself. Uh, and then just kind of from there, slowly learned more and more that I like what I could about the uh, about brewing. Uh, and uh, kind of mostly just worked my way up from there. Nice. So you guys, <laughs> you're right there, Ryan? No, I'm just watching <laughs> JT die over there with his allergies. <laughs> <laughs> so, sorry. Uh, yeah, so, uh, you know, I know I'm familiar with Toppling Goliath. I know JT's familiar with Toppling Goliath. Uh, Aaron's been away from the Midwest for long enough. He might not um, know a ton. Yeah, yeah, I don't know a ton. So I think it sticks in my brain because I read, I think it might have been you, Tim, posted an article one time about the secondary market for beer yeah, and mm-hmm. the, the famous bottles and all of that. And I think a TG beer, I think it was an Assassin's 2014 maybe or something like that was like a super high dollar bottle and it seems like that sticks in my brain that's about all i know that's all i remember oh yeah secondary market is uh it's a uh it's a blessing and a curse i'd say Um, I mean, I mean, I even I work there. I I could say whatever I want, uh, like at least regarding our beer, and that it's it honestly is one of my favorite beer. Like regardless of what brewery, uh, we, we do a fantastic job with our stouts. But uh, it's the second name. It's, it's I've I've never. I'm personally not a fan. I'm not a. Uh, I'm not someone who likes to flip beer, sell beer. I just like to drink beer with like good friends and just have a good time. But uh, I guess it's supply and demand. Uh, if someone's willing to sell a product that is w- rare, then uh, they can kind of set the price for whatever they want as so long as someone's willing to buy it. It's nothing we can really do to control it, more or less, which is unfortunate, but it is what it is. Yeah, yeah I no, mean, for, it's, for sure. Yeah, it's it's certainly not something that that I'm happy to see is is as prevalent as it is in the industry. Um, but yeah, you're right. I don't I don't know what you do to 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 stop it or or change uh, that type of behavior. Uh, you know, obviously, getting your beer in as many hands as possible is always a good thing. Um, <clears throat> Definitely. Right, and you know, and maybe some of that goes away just as you guys uh, expand your footprint. Uh, as well, just because then those things become, you know, a little bit more accessible or whatever. But we were talking before we started. You said, what did, did you say? 27 20, states? Uh, 27 states, roughly, is uh, what our current uh, about distribution foothold is. I think we've probably added a few more here and there as far as kind of lose track nowadays. But uh, as uh, sales isn't usually my uh, forte. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah, 20... Uh, but 27 states now, which is still mind blowing to me. And is and what is is coming out of Decora? Like how how many how many how many barrels are are being brewed totally um, by the brand, and how much is coming out of the hundred barrel brew house in Decora? Uh, at this point, all of it. 
All of it is? Okay. All of it is. So beforehand, uh, when we were in that transition period from the 30-barrel to the 100-barrel brew house, uh, I know most people do know that we were in that. uh, We had a uh, contract brewing down with Brew Hub in Lakeland, Florida for a while when we were those cans were originally being brewed down in in Florida. So all those cans were. But as of the winter of 2018, that's when the contract expired. So everything from there onwards has been from us. I think we also had like some like a small contract, and we still do have a little bit of a small contract with Wisconsin Brewing Company in uh, Verona. Mm -hmm. Uh, They do uh, maybe like a little bit of Dorothy's like oh, here sure. and there occasionally, but for the most part, uh, it's all Decora. Nice. I mean, Decora has become uh, kind of a little mini craft beer mecca uh, that I don't think people would have expected it to, to become. Well, I mean, even, you know, 10 years ago, I don't think anyone would have guessed that it would, it would be kind of what it is now. Oh, um, it's, it's wild. Because us pulpit, I mean, I mean, I've, for me personally, I'd arguably say we're the top two breweries in the state. It's, I mean, I love what we both do. Uh, we both bring to the table, and uh, we both honestly, I think we both help raise each other to be like better. Sure, sure, yeah, no, that's that's good. It's always kind of nice when you can have another high caliber brewery that close, and you guys can kind of. Uh, work off of each other. Uh, do you, do you guys have a pretty good relationship with with the folks over there? Uh, I think uh, most of us do. Uh, there's a little bit of uh, bad blood between us a little bit just because uh, the guys over at Pulpit are uh, XTG brewers. Sure. Um, but uh, Bob and uh, Justin, like in our names, uh, but yeah, they're. <laughs> uh, uh they're uh they're both great guys uh i like them a lot and uh they've been doing they've been making actually they've been making some damn good beer sure sure yeah I, you know it's been a while since i've i've had any any pulpit rock stuff uh you know i just haven't made it down to iowa since mm. the rona hit but uh <laughs> i'm definitely gonna have to to get a, a trip planned on the schedule i'll say i've, I've been I've only been able to hit a few other breweries since Corona, but it's there's I have a laundry list now. Just I pretty much want to just go around the state and just do like a beer tour. I miss so fun. many breweries in Iowa. JT, you were just at a brewery tonight, right? Yeah, I was at Twisted Vine. How uh, how have I? I guess I don't know. Up here, we've we've now we're going back to down into another shutdown breweries are only going to be to go again so no uh tap room you know drinking in a tap room or anything like that is is des moines pivoted back to any of that at all and i know uh there's been some some debate about what to do down there it depends on the brewery a lot of them were just like i know twisted vine for a while is only open like thursday friday saturday Maybe a little bit on Sunday. They've got a bigger patio where you can sit outside if it's nice enough outside. And then they've got a bunch of tables inside that they cut in half so you could have to be social distanced. Uh, up until recently, they still had seats up at the bar, but pretty much every bar or restaurant or brewery has taken the seats away from the bar now to keep them away from the bartenders. 
515 Brewing for most of the pandemic was only open for to-go orders. Then eventually a couple nights a week they would do, you could sit in the their patio of sorts. Um, and now they've opened their tap room a little bit. They haven't really started shutting anything down yet, but like, you know, you have to be wearing your mask unless you're actually drinking your beer. Uh, you have to be social distance and they don't let anyone near the bar anymore. So I don't know what's going to happen next. Now that the state football is going to be over tonight, I wonder if some more restrictions are going to fall down from the governor, but uh, I'm not going to try to figure out what's in her mind. And we'll leave it at that. Uh, so, yeah. So uh, I'm more I'm more concerned than what she does with the bar is what she would do from my business standpoint as a small business of 15 employees that's been around since 1967. And we have to have people coming in the door to stay alive. And which, ironically enough, we this has been one of our better years in a long time. But once again, you get a bunch of homeowners stuck at home. They start doing the honey-do list. Actually, it becomes a honey has to get done list because he can't escape from her anymore. So, <laughs> so yeah. So it, it's been real interesting. But I've, I've, I know not uh, a couple of people around here, like Cooper Ryan Cooper, who runs Coopers, and then the Winchester by my house, and just about how things are completely different from a restaurant and brewery and just bar standpoint, where you're trying to do best you can. But I mean. 50, they're not really doing 50% capacity, but once you take away the bar and force everyone to the tables, you're pretty much at like 40% capacity for a lot of places right now. So, so yeah, I think most places are doing all right with it. We'll see what goes on from here on out, because, I mean, every day is something different. Yeah. I feel really seen by that comment, JT. There's <laughs> currently a Rubbermaid 7-foot by 7-foot shed assembly kit in my garage that I'm supposed to get done tomorrow. <laughs> I'd love to have a shed. Just because if I had a shed in my backyard, I wouldn't have this garden that grows out and just gets completely crazy because I could maintain it, but I'm highly allergic to all of it, so I can't. So, yeah. What? Yeah, you have allergies? Yeah. Yeah, I know. Shocking. <laughs> You're allergic to everything. Gosh. Everything outside. something new today. Yes. <laughs> But no, I wanted to kind of switch gears here. Can we go talk about how awesome the Assassin is? Because I know you guys usually come down to Des Moines for the uh, craft beer festival oh, in yeah. the East Village. Yep. And I remember a couple of years ago, my buddy was there. Uh, the girl I was dating at the time didn't listen to my advice and say, get there half an hour before so you can get in the door. And she had to wait like 20 minutes to get through the crowd. And she got there right as we were waiting outside the TG part of the tent. Uh, because there was a special assassin that was going to be brewing. And it just so happened that when she got there that the keg was tapped. And nice. she hates dark beer, so I got to have two, which was amazing. <laughs> but that was also very high octane. I remember that day, I also, we were getting ready to leave. And my buddy, uh, Scott, uh, my buddy, um, not Scott, my buddy, can't believe I'm blanking on his name. Real close he doesn't friend, remember that day no. that well. <laughs> Uh, you know, he's in my hockey league, so he's just always called by his last name, Schwanker. He's actually dating the head brewer from 515, and as I'm leaving, he's like, here, take a sample of this. I'm like, oh, that's really good. He's like, yeah, that's 18%. I'm like, shit. <laughs> I mean, that's so, how Beer Fest is supposed to go, right? I mean, it's just always just going to be. Yeah, but that's always so fun. But, degree oh, weather. Yeah, no kidding. It always seems to be the most humid day, and I think that is that the year we had the rainstorm come out of nowhere? Yes, it was. I remember. Yeah. I was. At, I mean, I was at the that festival, and I remember like we had we had a good night. But then like as soon as we like retired, it just downpoured. Yes, 
Because remember, we just dove, we just got inside of Spaghetti Works because we figured a lot of carbs after drinking that much beer was a good idea. And yes, it was. Uh, <laughs> but as soon as we got in, it just downpoured like crazy. But yeah, hopefully we'll be able to do that this year. But I'm, I'm not holding my breath on that. Me either. I don't know if there'll be any like festivals or anything like that until probably 2022 at best. Yeah. But oh man, so much fun. Tim, you should come down for that. You'd have a blast. Yeah, you know, I, I've kind of gotten to the point where I'm almost a little over beer fests, but I could, you know, after all this is done, I will be more than ready to <laughs> to maybe go to one again. Um, man, just between between going to and working so many beer fests, after a while, you're just like, I just need to be away from this many drunk people in one area, and everything tastes the same, and at the end of the festival, they're all just saying, give me whatever you got. Um, uh, and then they're all trying to con you out of merch and things like that. And, uh, uh, but yeah, I would definitely come down for, for something like that. I think that that could be a good time for sure. Is is it that big of a, is that big of a pain in the, we'll just say pain in the ass to host one of those? Like, is it just a complete nightmare or how does it go from a brewer from working from a brewery standpoint? Uh, festivals usually aren't too bad. It's more of, eh, it's just, it gets long days. And then like Tim said, it's just, I mean, it's mostly just dealing with drunk people. It's more of the uh, entertaining aspect towards the uh, end of festivals where people just like start to like hang around your tent and they're just like, oh, can I get more? It's like, okay, at a certain point I'm going to have to like cut you off just because <laughs> I think you've had uh, enough. You've had six of the 12.7% Imperial Stout. I don't think you need another. And then when it gets to, like, final call, it's like there's, like, five minutes left to the festival. People just keep running through. It's like, just, like, given, like, kicked your keg yet. And Sirius, like, just keep filling it up. And we're like, I mean, I don't want to take this home, so I am okay. here. <laughs> how do you guys decide how much beer to bring down for that? Is there an actual science to that, or is it just trial and error? Uh, I mean, a lot of it, it depends on the festival too. Uh, so okay. your big, your big festivals like Great Taste in the Midwest, uh, Iowa Craft Beer. Uh, what else have we done that are like some of the bigger ones? I mean, GABF. Like, I mean, those ones are going to get a little bit more of a, like a larger allotment, uh, especially when when it comes to like specialty beers and things like that. Uh, but the smaller ones, uh, it depends on what like the demographic is. Like we've done. The first time we were at Dubuque on Ice, uh, the first time we did that, we did cans because uh, Dubuque was just starting to get more of a rollout of our uh, package material as we wanted to bring more light to that. But then on this uh, last year, actually, no, it was this year. That was like the last festival we went to, speaking of which. Uh, that was back in February. Uh, then we, we did draft for that. And for that, we usually do uh, usually about four to five kegs generally uh, a lot of our uh, core brands so dorothy's pseudo Sue, king Sue, but then uh, whatever uh specialty brands we generally have at that time is usually what we bring over as well to bring a little bit more attention to it what is the dubuque festival i guess i haven't heard of that is that downtown is that at the is that the uh at the ice arena in is it it's okay it's on ice, JT. Yeah. <laughs> I, why, why has no one told me that there's a beer festival at a hockey arena? No, it's fun. I mean, it's cold. I uh, yes. The first year we went, we were uh, vastly underprepared, and both uh, my friend and I, we were pretty much shivering the whole time. But it was uh, it was a lot of fun. And uh, it's actually become, slowly become one of my favorite festivals just because 
was it Dimensional Brewing, which is in Dubuque. Uh, they help sponsor, and those guys are those guys are a hoot. They're, they're ridiculous. Dubuque is just such an awesome town. Like oh, legit, it's, it's great. I love it. My fa- one of my favorite bars in all of America is there the busted lift, which is in the basement of a hotel. I want to say it's just freaking awesome. But yeah, was it my favorite? One of my favorite bars there. It's uh, I was about to say Pete Burgers, but that's in Prairie. It's uh, I can't remember the name of the top of it, but it's it's one of my favorite like post night bars where the whole interior is like dressed up in a bunch of like taxidermy like deers, goose, things like that, all over the walls everywhere in this small, like, dive bar. But then they'll serve you, like, dollar burgers, like, until they pretty much close at, like, 2 o'clock. It's great. Nice. Burgers are good drunk food. I'm still trying to grasp the concept of Dubuque being one of your favorite cities. (laughs) (laughs) Dubuque's an awesome town. It really is. I wish you guys could see the look that Aaron's face made when JT said that. Uh, it's been a while since I've been to Dubuque, so uh, yeah, I'm going to guess that it it has changed some since. Yeah, I'm, I'm for sure it probably has because I probably haven't been to Dubuque since I don't know the mid 2000s, maybe. Yeah, you know, um, but uh, River Towns—they just hit different. You're. Uh... Yeah. <laughs> You're you're really pissing off that key podcast demographic of Dubuque, Dubuqueans, yeah. Dubuqueites. What what do you call someone from Dubuque? Oh god, I don't know. <laughs> last, time, last time I was in Dubuque, we got a kicked out of the casino at, after a wedding, trying to meet with the bridesmaids because they decided one of my cousin's husbands was too drunk, so we're going down the elevator, and it's the Diamond Joe. I want to say it's like a three-story escalator. And we're going down, and this little butterball guy was pissed off at us. So we're like, okay, we'll just leave. We're cool. And then he goes down to get in my buddy's face again. And my other cousin's like, hey, I'm a Marine. I got this. We're leaving. Don't worry about it. And pushes him out of the way, which you don't put hands on a Marine. That usually doesn't end well. He's like, okay, that's cool. Whatever. So we get down to the bottom of the stairs, and he calls the cops on us and starts mocking my cousin for being Marine. So, yeah. So we had to run back to the other hotel from that. But, yeah. And so still, this is one of your favorite towns. Okay. Yes. Well, I... yes. The Buke is, oh, man, the architecture, right. everything, it's so freaking cool. <laughs> no, because it's steeped in, like, French history and things like that from, like, the fur trade and stuff like that. So it's got a lot of history to it. It's gorgeous in fall, too, with the leaves and the hills and all that. So, yeah. Uh, this has now become a Midwest travel podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I could go on forever. I was a hidden gem. This podcast brought brought to you by the Dubuque Tourism Bureau. Let's go bird watching. Well, no, it's I a mean, spotted dick. I I actually think that that like Northeast Iowa is an underrated part of the state, just because everyone always drives on thirty five and eighty, and they, yeah. which you know is through the most boring ass parts of the state, and you can get you know the. You know the, the Grant Wood paintings of Anamosa and, and all of that. Like, like it's actually some pretty stuff. Um, I eighty might be the most boring interstate on the planet. That's not in Kansas. Uh, yeah, that's true. I was gonna yeah, say that's oh, a good yeah. qualifier. That stretch from Des Moines to like Iowa City is a uh, is a rough drive. Yes, almost as bad as Nebraska to Denver. Oof. Like, 
Oh, like legit. You want to know where Jimmy Hoff is at? Somewhere out there. <laughs> <laughs> I I drove almost every mile of I twenty five north from Denver to Billings, Montana this past week. Oh my which god! Which is all eastern plains of Wyoming. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, Wyoming's bad. The only, yeah, my dad was a big train freak, so we'd go to Cheyenne and Laramie and whatever. But even still, like, thank God for trains. Otherwise, I'm like, why are we here? There is nothing. <laughs> hey, did. Taco I... John started here. Yeah, that's amazing that even Taco John's like, we need to escape our own home place and go somewhere else. <laughs> uh, I did, uh, however, accidentally drink a GABF gold medal winning beer this week though what was that i found out it was from by all means uh, um, by all means tell us about billings montana i think it was Hmm. 2016 it's they printed it on the can that's the only reason why i know but uh (laughs) it was uh it was a wheat beer it was it was really good and i can't think of the name of it right offhand but i could you know i'm sure they'd be easy to find but that was the first time i think i've ever seen it printed on a can yeah, I don't know that a whole lot of people do that. Awards are are fun to get. Um, I I don't know that how much they necessarily actually translate into sales. Uh, but you know, Pabst Blue Ribbon's been doing it for for uh, over a hundred years. <laughs> They're rocking that blue ribbon win for <laughs> forever. <laughs> I think they could be beneficial. It's more of, I mean, especially for smaller breweries, I think they can at least yeah. garner some hype. It's more of you kind of have to strike while the uh, the pants hot, like Confluence kind of did. Did they win? I think maybe they did. I want to say that maybe it's just the Des Moines IPA, or I know, uh, I know, uh, Peachtree won for Blonde Fatale. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, compensation won twice for 2014-2016. It's actually still on their labels. What's the one out of Okaboji? I It just slipped in my mind. Oh, right. uh, Westo. Westo Coco Stout, yeah. Yep. Which oh, that's right. They they won. Yeah, that's... I mean, that's not... Not necessarily my favorite beer, but I thought that one was really well done. Same. Yeah. And it's been a while since I had a Westo beer, but then again... We don't get a whole lot of, uh, besides ourselves and pulp, we don't really get a whole lot of craft beer and decor anymore. But we did just get a high V, and uh, so we at least get a little bit more of a selection now, which is nice. nice. So this probably transitions very well into the question that we ask all of our guests. <laughs> You're stranded on a desert island uh, or in Dubuque, Iowa, <laughs> and, <laughs> uh, and you can only have, like, three four five beers with you what are you picking and why oh man uh well actually just have two next we already finished one uh one of them would be moon man from new glarus brewing uh their pale ale it's just easy drinking light bitterness i could drink it all day it's awesome uh and one of my other ones would be workman's comp or just now compensation which is an english mild from line bridge brewery in uh, Cedar Rapids, Iowa, it's malty. It's got a nice, like, like, light caramel flavor. It's one of my favorite beers, actually, just probably like all time. It's literally one of the beers that made me fell in love with craft beer. 
I uh, I wish Miles got a lot more love. I would like to see a mm-hmm. lot more Miles out there. I know some of the breweries around here that have tried to to brew them just couldn't get them to to move a whole lot. But man, I I I like a good. No, I like that's good what Miles. I respect with, about them because like Limebridge, they're I mean they're doing some like the more like your hazies and stuff like that. But I mean they still have a good solid base when it comes to like traditional beers like Pilsners. Uh, they have a lot of that like, Czech history, so they do like, a great Czech Pilsner. Can't pronounce the name because I know some, <laughs> of the, some of the Czech with, like letters in it, but uh, but that English mild. Uh, no, they do uh, they do a lot of good stuff over there in Cedar Rapids. Uh, and then uh, what else would I have in my? I thought I was ready, but it's mostly those two. It's because I, I I really enjoy those two beers uh, quite a bit. Uh, I'd have to say even like. I almost need like an IPA, so I'd probably go with like Gold Nugget. We don't make it as frequently as we used to anymore. Oh, I uh, love that one. It's it was a nice floral, but still had you know, like like citrusiness to it. It's one of my favorites. Uh, it's also one of those beers that made me like fall in love with craft beer. Uh, I think it's more it's one of my favorite beers rather than like Desert Island beers. Uh, and then I guess for like a fourth one, I probably have to go with uh, need something a little bit lighter drinking. So I'm gonna go with like Coors Banquet. It's, that's oh. my go. That's my go-to domestic. Absolutely, yeah. everyone does highlights. Banquets, but, but, but banquets, uh, banquets, always been my go-to. No, I hey, I I can get yeah. No, I'm I I tend to to go highlight too, but but I can get down on some banquets. Uh, I I don't ever you know get get some stubbies. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You mentioned you mentioned that the milds aren't made very often. We one we re- discussed in a previous beer podcast was a rye IPA, which is also a very excellent style of beer. Why is the reason that the milds aren't made that often? Does it just not sell well? Is it hard to make? Is it hard to make and do well? What's what's the reason you don't see it as much? I don't know if it's hard to do well. It's just more of uh, try to find an audience, and maybe it's just not as marketable. Uh, I mean, because people just like things that they're familiar with and trying to get them a little bit out of their comfort zone is, I feel like it's harder to do. So, I mean, I mean, look at like pastry sours and pastry sours nowadays. Now it's all like, oh, here's cereal, here's fruit. And it's like people immediately can cling on to that. Be like, I know what that is. I know what that is. But unless you could try to get something that's a little bit more, I guess, nuanced, it's, uh, it's harder to find people that at least are able to uh, like appreciate that for a, like a larger general audience. Yeah, I I also think you know there's something to the the American craft beer revolution of the last twenty years was really kind of all built around hops, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and now it's built around a lot of additives, and so just a good uh, malty beer that isn't a you know that isn't a stout, uh, just a good malty beer sometimes it gets kind of lost. People don't really seem to kind of gravitate towards those. There's also still a large segment of the part, you know, even though they, they say all the time that there's these trend towards lighter beers or lower ABV beers. Um, I don't really think there is as much as I love having a low ABV beer. It sure seems like people still want to drink something that's six, 7%. And so having mm-hmm. something that's, you know, three, 4% people enough of the, of the drinking public, I don't know if they feel like they're not getting their money's worth or or what. So mm-hmm. I think that you know that's the challenge for those two. I think that's but, very much true. I mean, because 
it's also finding that thing where it's like people always take a low AB fee. They almost think, oh, it should be cheaper because it should be priced less. But it's like, well, you still have to have all this work. You still have all your raw materials and everything they have to go into. And so you don't want you, your profit margin, or at least where you're trying to at least get something out of it, is going to be a lot slimmer just because you're not going to be able to, if you want to hit that price point, it's going to have to be a lot lower than, I guess, what the consumer is expecting. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think people realize that, you know, I, I can sell this for $5 a pint because I sell a ton of it. And I, and if I'm going to sell, you know, if I want to have that mild at $4, well, I still have to sell a ton of it to be able to justify a $4 cost, and and I'm not going to get that. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think that's that's a challenge too, for sure. That's why it's for, like, or at least respect people who at least do it, though. I mean, I mean, it's more power to you. And, I mean, there's other places like, like athletic brewery now in like the East coast where, I mean, they're just doing straight non-alcoholic beer. And I feel that's almost like a hard get, but they've been, at least for my understanding, they've been doing fairly well with that niche audience. They have been doing well. Um, which I don't entirely understand. I have been drinking quite a bit of, of non-alcoholic beers. Uh, it's tough, man, to find a, a, good non-alcoholic beer a lot of them taste like wort <laughs> so it's just like oh we just didn't ferment this <laughs> um a lot of them just taste off mm-hmm. uh, i i don't know a lot of people seem to sit to feel like like they're doing the best job with it and 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 maybe maybe mm-hmm. they are i just was not necessarily uh falling all over myself for, for some of their their right. non-alcoholic beers but um, man, I I uh, applaud them for doing it, and and uh, hope hopefully mm-hmm. somebody can crack that code someday, where you can have a good tasting non-alcoholic craft yeah, there's, beer. There's an audience for everyone somewhere. It's just more of hopefully you can make the better product. Uh, Absolutely. As we used to say when I sold cars, there's an ass for every seat. <laughs> <laughs> that applies to dating too in some circles uh, yeah, uh, of course there goes JT again into the gutter <laughs> right <laughs> just like my bowling oh goodness so I, I, I'm still having some the te- technical difficulties a little bit so forgive me if I just missed this when it cut out on me a little bit did you say what year the brewery opened uh, the brewery opened in 2009, uh, so it's been around. We had our 10-year last year, so now we've been open for about 11 years now. Okay, so that that definitely puts it out of my range of being in Iowa because I moved out of Iowa in 2009. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. that's the, I mean, that's the at least the fun thing, at least for me, was uh, I graduated high school in 2009, so like that puts my age there. Oh. <laughs> I know I'm, I'm a young, I'm a young man, I'm a young boy. Uh, but ever uh, loving fuck. But the crazy d- thing. D- for me, he's no. he's jealous, Eric. He's jealous. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't want to go back to being young. I just it's just still hard for me to believe there are people working that are you know real jobs that were born <laughs> or graduated high school and stuff in the. 2009 Uh, it's only gonna get worse (laughs) i'm starting to feel that already i'm like this is this is even how are you guys even like in college right now (laughs) so anyway you graduated college kind of the perfect time 
Right, yeah, just because uh, for me, Talbot Goliath was always my hometown brewery, just because when I moved to Decorah, because I went to school at Luther College, which is in Decorah, um, they were, I mean, they were always around. They were kind of, I guess you'd probably say the zeitgeist more or less, but uh, I mean, I didn't really start drinking, like, even, like, minus high school. I didn't, I was, I didn't drink in high school, but I didn't really get into craft beer until probably my junior, senior year of college, and Tom and Goliath is right there. They already had a great solid lineup. I think Sue was already around at that point. Nugget, Zealander. I mean, a lot of our big staples was already being brewed. And so that was just, I mean, that was what I drank. And then we also had the fortunate thing to at least being in a small town where we had great restaurants that were putting out at least good beer. Like uh, there's Rubiat in Decor, which is like a little more of our upscale restaurant. Uh, but they always did like a dollar beer night. And so, uh, you could grab a like a wooden coin out of like a uh, a crown royal bag, and out of their selection of beers, you got a random beer for like a dollar. And so, uh, <laughs> so there was—I mean, I had a lot of opportunities at least to visit different styles of beer and things like that. But TG was always there, and seeing where they started to where they're at now, and being a part of it has been an awesome experience, to say the least. So you you mentioned pseudo Sue, you mentioned Nugget, you, you mentioned Zlander. Uh, one thing that I'm always kind of amazed by you guys is actually how while you kind of have your your staples in your core, you guys are putting out a lot of of beer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm seeing a lot of different things on the shelf. I'm not, you know, a lot of the breweries your size and. and your proximity to, to Minnesota, maybe I see like the same three beers. That's right. not what I'm seeing from you guys. Uh, how much of your production is kind of those those cores though? Like like how many how many barrels you guys do, and how many barrels of that is 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 pseudo Sue? Uh, so I guess pre COVID, um, actually even a little bit during COVID, uh, it's been fairly kind to us. Um, but uh, right now. But, I mean, we're, we've been expanding. I'm trying to try to get my thoughts together. We've been expanding a lot quite a bit, too. But right now, about weekly, we're not a good rhythm. We've been producing it about 1,400 barrels per week. Hmm. Um, but at least every week, we're doing about 400 barrels of Pseudo Sue. Uh, we were doing also about 400 barrels of King Sue every other week. And then in between there, we would produce uh, our... Uh, specialty beers about every two to three weeks uh and that would be usually do about 800 barrels of those traditionally wow okay so you said 100 barrel brew house how big is the cellar uh right now or as of right now we have six 100 six 100 barrel fermenters nine 200s and then as of august we just got two 400s <laughs> uh, wow all right oh yeah um, no it's it's a lot like when we first moved up there back in 2018 we were at four 200s and six 100s mm-hmm. wow okay man i'm gonna have to again when when all this is over i'm gonna have to come down i'm gonna have to, <laughs> to sneak back there and take a look at this oh, definitely. Uh, i mean just let me know yeah no that that would be cool um you know i mean we've we have a, a few large breweries here, but still, uh, I just, I, I, it just blows my mind. I didn't realize that I knew you guys had grown a ton and I knew you guys were expanding to a lot of states and I knew that I, I didn't realize 
adding did you say six four hundreds uh two two two, oh two four hundreds but we already have like we were already kind of in plans of potentially getting more Jeez. well well (laughs) well good for you guys that's awesome uh man jt have you ever been up to decora I've never been to Decor actually, and I've, that's kind of sad because I had some friends from high school actually went to Luther and came and visited me at UNI, and I never returned the favor, and I kind of regret that. But, yeah, I don't think that's one of the few towns in this state I haven't been to. But when a pandemic is done, it looks like I know where I'm making my next road trip. So yeah, I was going to say, we'll have to meet up down there. Uh, yeah, absolutely. If you're a fan of, of pretty northeastern Iowa midtowns, uh, and I know you are. <laughs> <laughs> There's basically two things you ha- you need for me to go to your town. Do you have a brewery? Yes. Do you have trains? If you get one of the two, I'm happy. And if you have a hotel right next to the train track. <laughs> yep. <laughs> What's well, a brewery right next door, which has really then, not very good beer. Forget about it. JT <laughs> Actually, is moving in. Their red lager was fantastic. Oh, the rest of their beers was good. Well, um, I guess we should probably at this point take a short commercial break uh, and get into our tasting segment, which, uh, you know, we do all the time here. So we're going to take a quick break here from Dead Eye Barbecue Sauce, and we will be right back with the tasting version. And it is, what beer are we doing? Hop Smack. Hopsmack, that's right. I was, that's what I thought, but I didn't want to be wrong. <laughs> when has that ever stopped you? Fair point. We'll be right back. <laughs> back when I started Dead Eye, I knew I wanted to innovate the barbecue game. Since day one, we've offered a premium barbecue product unlike anything else on the market. Great and Irene had something special tucked away on a recipe card in her cupboard and there was no way we weren't going to do something about it. So we decided to take it one step further, introducing Deadeye Superfood Barbecue Sauce. We've got five new flavors, graviola, acerola, pink guava, acai, and dragon fruit. They're the first of its kind, and they're packed with flavor. Find it at your local grocer today or at deadeyebbq.com. And welcome back to Bitter Units. We appreciate you uh, listening to our sponsor there. We also want to remind you to check out all of the other content at thetailgatesociety.com. There are loads of other podcasts. I'm not even going to try to name them all anymore uh, because I fail miserably every week to remember them. Um, But uh, there's also a lot of good writing uh, on just a bajillion subjects um, by all of the really talented people over at the tailgate society. So, uh, scoot on over to that website when you're done here and check it all out you'll find something you like i'm sure of it um but for now you're here so you want (laughs) to listen to us talk about this beer (laughs) tim hey you know uh, i'm really you pick did you pick this beer or was it did did eric pick this beer i let eric pick this beer i you know they're are all, like I said, there are a lot of, of beers that, that Toppling Goliath actually puts out. Uh, I assumed that you weren't familiar with them, and I thought, you know, maybe we could just go something staple and standard. But I'm like, no, I want to try something new. Forget Aaron. And so I said, Eric, please tell me what of yours do you want us drinking? 
it's all new to me, so I'm good. So yeah. So, so yeah. So Eric, tell us so about. We'll, we'll let you tell us about Hopsmack. All right. Uh, Hopsmack is a double IPA. Uh, it is uh, comes in at about seven point eight percent alcohol. Uh, it is uh, it's a beer that we usually do uh, at least once a year. Uh, but it's uh, for me, it's one of our fun ones we get to do because we get to play around with the uh, the hops a little bit. I mean, they don't really stay the same year after year, so it may always makes it uh, interesting and keeps you on your feet a little bit. Uh, but this year, uh, we wanted to go for something a little West Coast, a little East Coast. Uh, so I mean, it still has that hazy character, but it still has a little bit of that uh, nice bitterness towards the end. Uh, but uh, dry hopping wise, uh, we put a healthy amount of uh, Simcoe in there as well as like the good staples of Citra and Mosaic. But then we also have some of the uh, the fun like big hype hops right now. Uh, so we have like Sabro in there and uh, also a little bit of Rewaka, which is nice too. Waka Waka? What? Rewaka. <laughs> Fozzy. Fozzy Bear. <laughs> uh, I, I, I drank one of these earlier. Uh, with my neighbor, and I, I was assuming there was some mosaic in it, and she said so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but uh, all right, Tim, lead us through this thing. Uh, yeah, yeah. Let's let's go ahead and uh, and pour this. I actually had started one, but I'm going to go ahead and and continue to pour. Um, so obviously, that that first thing we talk about is that appearance. What are you guys seeing? It looks like orange juice. Yes. <laughs> I mean, it does. I mean, it's it's not yeah. quite that orange, but it's that kind of color, um, like a water a watered down orange juice type of color, um, like the kind you get from one of those vending machines that mixes it when you push the button. Kind of orange juice, <laughs> like in um, a hotel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and the mixture's just a little bit on the watery side. That's what it looks like. <laughs> All right. Uh, so Aaron's Nailed on it. Uh, <laughs> hotel orange juice uh, at the waffle bar. Uh, if, you're, Jake, if you're going for a hazy, I mean, that's what they look like. So, I mean, it's so it this fits is the, the bill as far as that goes. Orange juice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I would have been Nance in a long time. So <laughs> I didn't know it was still a thing. Um, I don't know if it is. But. One thing I want to talk about with this being hazy, when you say orange juice, is that you do get a a bright orange color. You know, it's it's cloudy, but it's not milky like some of these can get. Right. Um, right. Uh, Eric, tell me a little bit about uh, the grist bill on this. Uh, I mean, a lot, like a lot of what we do for a lot of our RPAs, we always like to try to keep the uh, the grist bill uh, pretty like simple. Uh, say we don't want to have like all these different flavors and different things trying to like offset the like the flavor of the hops because our main goal at least when it comes to our hoppy beers is we really want the hops to do the speaking for us we want it to be the thing that like shines the most and so uh, i mean it might have a little bit of uh like honey but a lot of that's gonna be a lot of more uh just like base like brewer's malt and uh with maybe a little bit of like flaked adjuncts uh just sure. to help like round things out all right. Well, uh, no, I it it is. 
I hate to say it, Aaron, it's probably a pretty de- decent way for a layman to, to, to think about what this looks like. <laughs> I never really thought of the... that way, but I mean, it's kind of an apt description. For a lot it, of it, it may not be the most poetic way to describe it, but it is accurate. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Shakespeare, how about you tell me what you're smelling on this? Um, so I get quite a bit of citrus uh, smell to it. Um Maybe a pineapple, um, citrus. Um, I know when I when I opened the one earlier, and I and I did that this time in part because I knew I was going to be drinking the rest of the day, so I didn't want to get to this point and then be muddled with everything else I drank today. Um, or sleeping on the but, floor, but it's, <laughs> yeah, yeah. or sleeping had on you the well floor. Muddled. <laughs> I slowed down on that this time, um, but. Uh, yeah, a really nice citrusy aroma. Um, like I said, that pineapple smell. It smells really nice. I mean, it's a really pleasant citrus smell. I actually get a smell on this one. I did The first thing, my first sensation is it smells clean. And then kind of picked up on the piney and the piney apple, pineappleness. Mm-hmm. Pineappleness? Pineapple? Piney, piney. Smell? Whatever. But yeah. I have a pen. I have an apple. <laughs> I was going to say, even the looks like it. Once I read the, the description on the can, I could see that this even looks like it's got some pineapple in it. But it's it's definitely there. It's definitely something I can smell. But it's not overpowering, subtle. But it's it's a good, pleasant smell that, yeah, that for once I can actually smell the beer we're drinking. So. Yeah. Well, it- We've got like a like a two week window where you're not going to be allergic to something, so that's perfect. <laughs> there you go. Uh, um, I no, I like I get that 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 pineapple, that citrus. I get a lot of kind of uh, citrus rind, mm-hmm. you know, uh, orange and lemon zest type of of character coming through on the nose as well, which is really nice. And then yeah, you do get kind of a a, a piney resinous type of aroma that's coming off uh, as well, which is nice. Um, you know, since you kind of described this as, as, you know, elements of both East and West Coast type of, of IPA. But uh, uh, let's go ahead and jump in and, and actually taste the thing. I, I just want to say that I think I'm going to buy JT one of those neti pots. <laughs> I, used to, I used, pot used to do that to, on a daily to basis. To use before every podcast. Oh God! I used to do use one. It was a squeeze bottle, oh. and then we'll, we'll pause. We'll pause it right here because randomly throughout the day, the water that didn't make it out would just randomly discharge in public. Oh. And you well, have to try to explain that. to yourself while you've got a faucet coming out of your nose. Yeah, especially just... when I'm like picking up a tool for a customer. All of a sudden, it's like on the floor, and the concrete people are like, "What the hell?" I'm like, "It's a netty pot." I'm like, "Oh, cool. All right, I know what that is." So stuck in some cavity up there. Oh God! But you know what? They work great. From someone oh. is, you know, I have water come out of my nose through part of the day, and I can breathe, or I can't breathe, and life is miserable. Hey, you know what? Nose faucet. Let's bring it on. I'm glad you don't work in food service. <laughs> <laughs> you are welcome, America. Um, yeah, I would be about a hundred pounds heavier if I worked in food service. So, yeah, so all right, so sorry, I derailed the, I derailed yeah. the tasting. That's my fault. 
<laughs> so uh, aside from your own snot, what are you tasting in this thing, JT? <laughs> <laughs> I need a second to control and can collect myself here. Give me <laughs> All right, well, I'll go ahead. So um, what surprised me about this, and, and maybe it's me, but I, I get a very strong piney, bitter mm-hmm. taste. Um, compared to what I thought it would be from the smell. I expected it to be much more mild in the bitterness than it than it is from the nice, you know, citrusy smell. And then when I drink it, I get that very piney, bitter uh, drink, which is, you know, a really popular IPA lean, you know, but that's, it wasn't what I was expecting, I guess is really the point I'm trying to make poorly (laughs) (laughs) no you you still just a poet just so eloquent (laughs) uh JT now that you've got done applying your your Vicks Vapo rub and all that uh, (laughs) how about you you know what I definitely I, I don't get as much citrus out of this as I do immediately pineapple the pineapple it's it's there and it hits you in the mouth the mouthfeel from the beginning of the sip till the end is very consistent. Uh, the hoppiness and the bitterness doesn't really fall off immediately like some of the beers we've had. It kind of lingers a little bit, and that's fine because it tastes good. <clears throat> but, yeah, I mean, I don't get as much citrus on this. Considering how citrusy this beer looks, you don't actually get that citrus taste, which I'm fine with because the pininess is definitely something that's I don't know how my palate's kind of developed to enjoy that a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it, it's it's very good. It's also something, despite the fact it's double IPA, does not taste like a double IPA. Like some double IPAs I drink and I immediately was like, oh my God, I need a water cause, or I need to have some food because this is going to make me tired right away. And I don't get that from this. This kind of gives me a little bit of energy too. Nice. Yeah, no, I like that, that. It, uh, you know, it's not cloyingly sweet, you know, it certainly doesn't, you know, finish too dry, but it, it's not like over the top. It's not, it doesn't have a lot of alcohol kind of warmth no. that you get out of some of those. So the, no, I think that's a, that's a good call. Uh, I, I also echo that it's really kind of pineapple. I, I was, that was the first thing that hit me when, when I took that first sip was, was ha- like, it, it's almost like a, you said, uh, uh, Sabro and what else? Uh, Rewaka, Mosaic, Citra, and uh, Simcoe. Yeah. I don't think you can make a beer like this without Mosaic and Citra in it these days. Um, and, no, they're very uh, two <laughs> bears of a feather nowadays. Right? Uh, they're, Citra, I always call the, the cheater hop. Oh, just throw some Citra <laughs> in it. It'll, it'll work. Uh, okay. Because it almost even has like a like a Wakatu type of like pineapple-y, lemony type of thing going on to it, which is nice. Um <laughs> Yeah, I, I I dig this. I, I dig that it, it has kind of the, the bitterness to, to cut through and not just be a, a juice bomb, but it definitely, like you said before, it's really about highlighting uh, what you're getting from the hops. Hmm. Um, yeah, I, I was, I don't want to say surprised because I'm not surprised at all. Uh, gee, what a surprise! Half Wing Goliath is making a great IPA. <gasps> no, <what? laughs> um, but uh, just um, 
maybe because you know a little bit of kind of what Aaron was saying is of it looks like it's going to be orange juice, but it's not just orange juice. Um, but yeah, no, I I'm really pleased with this thing. So I don't know. Do you have any other thoughts, Eric, that you want to kind of add on any of these? Uh, I'm, I was glad you guys like it, um, but I mean, <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, oh, it's bad. I hope I like it. Um, no, it's uh, I mean, we've always been uh, at least a teacher. We're, we're I mean, we're fans of like what Alpine Bruin was doing back in the day. And that's kind of like, that's a lot of what our, a lot of our inspiration comes from for this is like, it's juicy, but still has like that resinacy piney taste to it. And uh, we just want to make sure like, while we do like have put a lot of hops in our beer, we want to make sure everything's rounded and uh, balanced. And then like the Sabro helps complement things. If you add a little bit too much, but we found out it kind of get that like a little bit like that soapy taste. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Rewaka, uh, it was fun to play around too, which helps accentuate that pineapple a little bit more. And so it's more about these, finding these uh, right combinations of just hops working together to at least like bring out these just great flavors that they are all kind of known for. Mm-hmm. I I don't know Rewaka that well. Do you know a whole lot about that hop? Uh, for me personally, no. It's uh, one that I've been working uh, with, uh, at least for me recently. Uh, I know we used to have a beer... Uh, at least hopefully we want to do like an all Rewaka IPA at some point, or at least one that's like more Rewaka focused that we had called like Rewakan Dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, but... Yes. <laughs> I like that. Or like Christopher Rewakan. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it, it's been it's been a very difficult hop to get just because of like Australia they had the bushfires and I know that affected their Rewaka crop uh, for the last couple years. Uh, so it's been hard to get our hands on it. I know we're supposed to be contracted some, but it's been like severely cut, like slashed just because of those bushfires. Uh, so what we do have, uh, we're just trying to like find the best use for, and Hosmag just seemed like a great opportunity to put that in there, and I think it helps just bring out more of that like that pineapple like flavor to it. Yeah, I, I I'm reading about Rawaka. You know, New Zealand hot. So you know, I say Waka too. It it has kind of a very similar. Uh, kind of, you know, New Zealand hops have more of that kind of <clears throat> lighter citrusy type of, you know, pineapple, lemon, those types of like things. White wine, sometimes especially with like Nelson. Yeah, exactly. Uh, unique one to one ratio of alpha to beta acids. Huh. Yeah, I that's not a hop I've ever brewed with, so I don't know a whole lot about it. But um, yeah, I would say that's probably the one that I'm probably picking out the most. I mean, aside from the citra and the mosaic. mosaic. Right. Um, again, I I don't think you can make a beer like this without those. <laughs> I I haven't seen one in forever. Uh, but uh, no, this is this is fantastic. I could seven point eight. You said. Yep. I think, yeah. I did, sorry. Did you? Um, I'm gonna ballpark guess and show how dumb I am. So like eighty IBUs probably. Uh, I think it's actually a little bit closer to. I think it was fifty. This seems really high for to me. I don't know why. Maybe I'm just off today. But well, you're off every day. Well, that's that's fair. um, That's fair. I just wondered because I was just no. I don't. I don't think that was a bad bad guess. Again, no. With with kind of a simple malt bill, I could see where it would come across. You know, you know, if some of those other ones that, that we've had that have been like in the neighborhood of 70 had some, some crystal malt in them that it was going to kind of like 
affect your ability to to just perceive that bitterness because they have such a sweet component to them. Mm -hmm. Um, But, uh, yeah, man, it's not so bitter that I'm going to stop after one. Um, And it's not too sweet to stop after one. Um, And so that makes this beer really dangerous. (laughs) (laughs) I know that from experience. A lot of our doubles, it's like, I could polish up a four-pack easily. And it's just like, after one, two, you're like, you stand up and you're like, probably should have some water at this point. (laughs) (laughs) Can I ask, we got two brewers on here. Is Is there a reason Mosaic is such a popular hop for beers? I'd say, I mean, it's. It, I think it's probably because it's a similar flavor profile to Citra. I know okay. it can be a little divisive in that it's one of those things where I know some people that, like, it smells like straight gym socks to people. Yeah, I. so I have a love-hate relationship with Mosaic. Uh, I think it's one of those where I don't feel like, when I've used it in the past, like, year to year, you know, that it's smelled the same sometimes i've i wouldn't say gym sock <laughs> um <laughs> but i've always described it as having a lot earthier type of of actually what i say is earthy i make up a word earthy i don't know what that means <laughs> but i think you know what it means when i say it um but yeah man it just seems to be one of those like like citra you said you know that it's just you put it in a beer and people love it and so it becomes a, a chicken and, and egg type of thing. Is this a popular beer because it's in or a popular hop because it's in every beer? Or is it a popular hop because every beer that gets this is loved? I, and I don't I don't know the answer, but but both. Right. Well, I think maybe to finish this out because we should have a speed round. Of <laughs> dumb puns like we just had, because I've got like Rowakin Tall <laughs> for the name of a beer. <laughs> Lay the hop smack down. What other stupid puns can we come up? We're gonna we're gonna become marketers right now. This Girl, is just Rowakin like how they did it. This is oh, just like Rowakin. how they did it on uh, Mad Men. <laughs> they sat around, they drank, and they figured out marketing. <laughs> As long as uh, <laughs> Chris, I liked as long as Christina Rewalking Hendricks is involved with this one. podcast, I'm down. Hop smack versus raw. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> bring it. Ho- Hotel Rewalking. There we go. Uh, yeah. uh, that no, come on. You're going to end up with your block for that. Pac-Man on the cover, Rewaka, Waka, Waka. Come on. Waka, Waka. I no, I uh, Rewalkin Tall. I like Christopher Rewalkin, I thought was pretty clever. Uh, I mean, we have King of the Hill Don, uh, so (laughs) (laughs) if anyone's gonna come up with with some clever puns here, well, so was it a shout out to my cousin, also? I think hers is like One Tree Hilled. (laughs) Oh, nice! (laughs) Oh, I'm I'm almost mad at her because that's brilliant <laughs> one of my favorite breweries here 515 a lot of their beers are inspired by letter kenny wait really yes 
So they get like pitter patter and they got one of, one of my favorite beers on that is called These Boots Are Made for Brewing. I never like noticed that. Yeah, but five one five date well it's once again the head brewer is dating a guy that plays hockey, so Alberta. So yeah, it's, do, it, do they it's have a, one called "Fucking Embarrassing"? <laughs> <laughs> the only way you can order is if you're wearing two different shoes. I saw. I, I was parked at the airport a couple of weeks ago, and I saw a sticker on the back of a truck that was uh, "Shorzy 2020." Fuck <laughs> <laughs> you, Shorzy. So. Oh, that's fantastic. Oh. New uh, new season of that comes out on December 26th, by the way. Oh, shit. Haven't that what I, was I haven't done the last season yet, so I need to get caught up on yeah. that. The last two were like almost like in quick succession, it felt like. It was almost like a few months in between, like season yeah. seven, season eight. Yeah. It's such a good show. So though. this is nine. There's only I think there's only seven episodes in the season. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so that, and they do. I think they've done two seasons a year, basically, up to this year. Because so. it's, I think it's only been like since 2015 or something that they started. Right. But they're in season nine or something like that. So the blonde, who's a blonde hockey player? What's his name? Riley. Riley. Yeah, he's actually a legit hockey player. Really? Like they've had him on a couple of hockey podcasts where like the kids actually played growing up. So, so, so uh, that actor's name is Dylan Playfair. Yes. Thank you. Uh, he, uh, so it's funny, Aaron, you have, have, uh, uh, a young lady in your household. And by that, I mean your daughter, not what, um, but, uh, I don't know if she watches any of the Disney movies, the descendants. Oh yeah. She saw him one time when I was watching it and she knew who it was. Oh, okay. Cause I, cause, yeah. cause my daughter's watching the descendants and Riley shows up and I just started laughing. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it's pretty funny. Cause I watch some shows and then she'll walk into the room when I'm watching something and she's like, that person's on such and such Nickelodeon show or Disney show or whatever, you know? And it's like, okay, if you say so. <laughs> But uh, uh, and they're uh, dropping an f bomb or something, you know, and whatever I'm watching. So yeah, <laughs> this episode of interviews brought to you by IMDb.com. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's now a Letter Kenny podcast. <laughs> yeah. It'd be all right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Man, that's awesome. Well, shoot, Eric, I'm going to. I'm glad that I only have two of these because I would polish off all four of them this evening. Um, I'm definitely going to finish the second one. Uh, like I wasn't going to do that. Um, <laughs> uh, man, I'm, I'm glad because, you know, there's, there's so many beers out there, um, that lately I actually don't try anything new, uh, just because I think, I, you know, just fatigue, yeah. And so, you know, I and so if I go pick up Toppling Goliath in, in in the store, more often than not, it's one that I've already had before. I've had a billion times. Uh, and so I hadn't picked up Pop Snack before. And I'm glad that you had me do it because this is an amazing beer and another one that I will probably pick up again and drink all four in one sitting. <laughs> and then you're going to get like seven uh text messages from me 
<laughs> so, so just, just, just know you brought that on yourself. Uh, is this, is this a, <laughs> is this a beer that's not very widespread? Because I went to uh, one of my favorite places, find little hidden gem beers called Ingersoll Wine Spirits here in Des Moines, okay. and like the guy who runs the place was so excited. He's like, I worked so hard to get a couple cases of this. I'm glad you're buying it because it's a fantastic beer. How do you guys kind of decide who gets your distribution, I guess? Uh, I mean, that's usually just based on our sales reps and then, I guess, them working with our distributors. Okay. Uh, I, I don't have too big of a hand when it comes to that. Uh, but, I mean, at least when it comes to the Des Moines market, uh, I can reach out to our sales rep and be like, hey, this place, sh- sh- give them a little more. A little, yeah. A little more. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I guess that kind of wraps it up. Um, again, check out the Tailgate Society. Obviously, check out Toppling Goliath uh, Brewery if you haven't. 27-ish states, since we don't have an exact number. But, <laughs> um, you know, and possibly coming to a state near you. You never know, because uh, uh, Eric said they're expanding all the time. Oh, yeah. So check out their stuff. Um, grab it if you can. Really well-crafted uh beer so um check out all the podcasts rate review subscribe you can go to bitterunits.com and it'll take you to the tailgate society um and it's under construction but hey it's there and it works <laughs> and uh guy anybody anything we've missing anything any other last minute questions doesn't look like it so um i guess until next time uh we have our next episode we'll be real walking on sunshine hey (laughs) have fun with that one david (laughs) 